Timothy's personal log. Beep, beep, boop, boop. I am an android. Beep, 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 <laughs> boop. Welcome to Reengage, where we watch every episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek, The Next Generation, and then we re-engage with it from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of the Gen X kids we were when it first aired. Today, we are talking about the 11th episode of Season 5, Hero Worship, and I'm so excited to welcome my fellow Cultural Bridge officers to discuss whether Data's positronic brain produces his own hair gel. Hi, guys. <laughs> How are you all doing? Hi, Kate. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> it's a weird one today. Glad you're here. Jimmy G, how are you? Uh, I'm just going to jerk my head back and forth in response to how I'm What? <laughs> Not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yep. That's... Oh, you guys are dirty. Unfortunate combination of, of words. <laughs> Eric iPad, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And yes, I have a brand new iPad. And the name that comes up on uh, Zoom is iPad. So uh, hit me up. Call me iPad. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> Very excited to get into this episode. It is Hero Worship. As I said, it was first aired on January 27th. 1992 and i'm going to tell you some sad things that happened on that day uh it was actually a few weeks since uh the la uh, first episode of 1992 aired that was on january 6th so we've got a couple of weeks happening here on january 13th of 92 the serial killer jeffrey dahmer pled guilty but insane to his uh, uh, all of the things that he did, uh, which uh, were in fact Fair. very terrible. But this was around the time where it was being talked about in all of uh, pop culture and media uh, of of the horrors that took place uh, there. And now there's, of course, a Netflix series where uh, I did not watch it because I'm like, I don't want to be scared. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. All right. Me too. Uh, on January 22nd, Sarah, Duchess of York, also known as Fergie, um, before she joined the Black Eyed Peas, she yeah. had a series of articles uh, this month um, that were detailing her liaisons with other people other than her husband uh, uh, and became a... Uh, sensation around this time that so much so that she wore a paper bag over her head as she rode in an airplane uh, back from the U.S. to the U.K. in protest of all of the, uh, you know, discrimination she was feeling from the press at the time. The trick is to fill the bag with whippets. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other Fergie. She did that. Oh. On January 26th, the day before this episode aired, it was Super Bowl twenty six. In the Metrodome in Minneapolis, the Washington football team uh, beat the Buffalo Bills 37 to 24. The MVP was, anybody remember the QB for the Washington team? Theisman? Rippin? Mark Rippin, which I only remember because of Tecmo Super Bowl. He was a fantastic third choice if you didn't want to go with Joe Montana or uh, Phil Simms. But a, a great quarterback in that game. And uh, yeah, that was what was happening around the world in sports and history. But there's some fun entertainment stories that Kate Yeager is going to tell us about. What do, you, what do you got, Kate? I've got some doozies for you. In the music world, All For Love by Color Me Bad was number one. Uh, and as a Color reminder... Me bad, da, 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 da. 
<laughs> yes, color me better. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. <laughs> and of course, it's all the number four and then love. It's not all for love. It's all for love. They really pioneered that like numeral in song titles and uh, names of tracks, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they appreciate being uh, having the word pioneered associated. <laughs> <laughs> I remember fluffy orange shirts. Ooh, fluffy orange shirts. The number one movie was The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, which is the first time I ever remember being in a movie theater and hearing someone scream something at the screen. (laughs) It's when the wife, Annabella, uh, was, uh, Skiori, was walking through the dark house and you know that Rebecca de Mornay is somewhere and she starts to head up the stairs and this woman just yelled out, bitch, don't go up those stairs. (laughs) (laughs) And she was all of us in that moment. Yes. And during said uh, Super Bowl halftime show, I couldn't tell you who performed during that halftime show because there was counter-programming happening that was much more important to my world, which was In Living Color did a live edition of their sketch comedy show. Wow. And I was for sure an In Living Color kid. Like, I wanted to be a fly girl. I think I've mentioned that before. Yes. But more importantly, I think it's just that I wanted to be a comedian with a nice ass. So, <laughs> so that's what was both. happening. Who doesn't? <laughs> that's what was happening in pop culture. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. I ho- hope that there was a fire marshal bill in that. Uh, it was very popular in my household. Uh, the let me show you something is, is, is something. <laughs> but Jimmy's going to show us something. That was happening behind the scenes here in this episode. That's right. But I only have a singular entry Mm. uh, for the Nimbusic Files this week. The little story we hear Jordy tell about uh, the fire when he was a kid. That was an unused uh, scenario for the upcoming episode of Violations. And they just uh, used it in this one. So after... I guess we'll find out uh, next week as well that uh, they did some filming out of order <laughs> in addition to that. And that's all for the Nimbusic Files. That's, that's, that's intense. Uh, all right. Uh, Eric, who, what can you tell us about the... Uh, I guess there aren't that many co-stairs, but there is definitely a short one. There's a tiny one, and that's the one I'm going to focus on because uh, I feel like it. Uh, so uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh Transporter crew chief number seven. Uh, I will not get to you in this particular time. It's not a reflection on your moral character. But you're no Cole Meany. No, no, they're not. And they never will be. <laughs> it's true. Joshua Harris is the young short actor that we see as Timothy, who I call Jimothy in my head because I've been rewatching The Office. Um, <laughs> he is a three-time Young Artist Award winner as one Christopher Ewing in Dallas. Do you remember this shit? Oh, wow. He was the kid that was adopted by Bobby and Pam. But he wasn't really their kid. He was the kid of Kristen, who was Sue Ellen's crazy sister. (gasps) Scandal. Do you remember all that? Mm -mm. No. Good shit. Dallas was too old for me. (laughs) Absolutely true. So he did a bunch more TV as a a young actor, including stuff like Twin Peaks. Really a very uh, nice career. 
Then he went to college in San Diego, played baseball all through college and for a year in the Cubs minor league system. Hmm. And then he came back to L.A. and worked as a uh, producer uh, at an independent studio before forming his own production company, which he runs now. And uh, that's all I got for the guest stars, a, a iconic performance in this one. I know, uh, I know we all quote this character as often as possible, but I'm certain Jimmy does uh, in, in fantastic moments that we'll talk about later in this episode. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that. This was Hero Worship. It was teleplay by Joe Minoski, story by Hilary J. Bader, but it was directed by none other than Patrick Stewart. This is his second turn directing, and it is another data-centric episode. I love that the, the theme of Patrick Stewart directing data in the holodeck kind of continues here in his directing uh, of Brent Spiner in this episode. And it begins... Stardate 45397.3, and we get a log saying that the research vessel Vico is gone missing in a dark cluster, a black cluster even. And uh, the universe, uh, Enterprise goes to go check it out, and uh, they find the ship. Uh, yes, Eric? I was just saying, I, I nerded out a little bit about uh, dark and black clusters. Yes, tell which us. Which did not exist in the world. Uh, they were made up completely for this. But they did discover something recently that they are calling dark globular clusters in, in real life, which are clusters of stars that uh, have more mass but less light than you would think, thereby implying that there are uh, black holes uh, hidden within them to make them more massive but with less visible light. And that's very exciting because some of these are closer than we have heretofore thought black holes are to our sun, which used to be 1,500 light years away. But right now, as of last month, we have found black holes within 150 light years and probably closer to our own sun. And my goodness, who really cares? But I really enjoyed this little bit that I went down today. Thank you for that. Now we're all going to have our event horizon uh, moment going into the black hole. <laughs> Nosferatu. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so I was not even really clear what the black cluster was. Like, it was supposed to be black holes within a nebula or something. It was not really explained. Collapsing protostars, which does happen, but usually they just go back into a normal star. So it, it, it's, some of the, the science is all wonky on this one, as, as the internet told me today. Well, and as is uh, the case with many Star Trek episodes, they, use, they take tidbits that sound true-ish. Uh, and uh, apply it to storytelling, uh, which we'll get to, of course. But they find the Vico, and it is ripped apart. It does not look good. This is a really good-looking starship model that doesn't have, like, kind of the, like, uh, uh, electrifying effect that sometimes we see in the middle of battle. This is a vessel that has been adrift for a while. Uh, and they actually use, that. that's a model from Star Trek Three. Really? Oh, yeah? yeah? Repurpose. Awesome. One of the reasons why it looks so good, because it's movie quality. Mm. The enterprise, the the destroyed enterprise going down. I don't remember what ship it was, uh, but yeah. I always loved that effect in Star Trek Three. So I'm gonna go with yes, that's what it is. Thank you, Jimmy. Cannon. <laughs> Cannon. <Canon. laughs> um, they see that it's it's dangerous. Even having people on board is a bad idea. And then they're like, Riker, why don't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. They don't even use the spacesuits from the best Star Trek movie ever. Like, they got to have them in some, like, dusty drawer somewhere. Put on some spacesuits. I know. They make it clear that the, there's parts of the decks that are exposed to space. But you're going to be cool. You're fine. 
No problem. Yeah, just come on over. Yeah. That comes up later, though, because it's LaForge and Data that join Riker on the away team. They start searching through some I-beams and some fog machines, and they find a lot of dead people. Not good. We got a lot of the, you know, uh, checking of the pulse and then the shaking of the head. I actually like that there's not a lot of dialogue here between the three of them. What did you what did you guys think of that? I think it definitely, like, lends to the fraught nature of, you know, like, it, it just sort of gets you a little bit more off of your kilter. Like, if they were like, nope, not over here, over here. But that silence is just <laughs> sort of deadly and adds to the intrigue. For sure. The tension was ramped up. Yeah, it will be counterpo- uh, juxtaposed by the next moment. <laughs> right? Because they find a kid. Uh, he's just there and he like just kind of looks up. He's like, hey, what's up? Uh, what's going on? <laughs> the moment it was a kid, my husband was like, it's another kid episode. This season <laughs> has been rife with kid episode. right on the heels of uh alexander being like trapped underneath and Riker not being able to do anything it's like did you run out of like storyboard space and you're just like just use the alexander thing (laughs) well they had so much fun taking a post-it note from one side of the storyboard to the other really he really went for it this time i will say that when i saw the kid and i you know i'm like there's one strange kid nobody knows and it's sci-fi i was just saying you should kill that kid that's that's what comes to my head right because wasn't that a a, a original series episode where it was the kid who killed everyone and they found him in a situation michael j pollard right yeah the great genius michael j pollard i know i thought the exact same thing but, you know, they're downloading all of the files. Apparently the files still work, but they're getting it. It takes a long time. They really need to uh, invest in some USB-C cords or something to <laughs> get the, the throughput going there. But yeah, young boy is the stinger. Uh, and we get Picard holding that for a long time, that face. Uh, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of uh, acting to do because I'm directing this episode, but can we just end the, the stinger with me being uh, being nervous about this boy? They come back and uh, the boy has was shielded because of all the stuff on top of him. They can't move that stuff. The Victurium alloy. That's true. Victurium. Do we know anything about Victurium? <laughs> but what I heard is like, did they just say Victoria alloy? <laughs> what? Is that a reference to something? Like it really it stopped me from watching the show for a moment because I couldn't process the word. Yeah. Fair. And the little kid was just kind of lounging there, right? Like he was <laughs> on a he was hanging out, bunch of stuff, like I can't move. So I was like, I don't know, maybe that's a brilliant choice because he's in utter shock or nobody bothered to tell the kid that, you know, this hurts. <laughs> it's happening to you. It's really painful. <laughs> He did not seem really injured in any way, uh, even in sec bay. They're like, yeah, no, he's fine. He's just, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of a lot of shit. Yeah, no tension there. Um, and then, of course, they can't lift this Victorium. It is, I just checked, it's the only time it's mentioned in Star Trek canon is in this episode. So <laughs> this specific vessel is the only one that was able to block sensors uh, from this. It's ripe for exploration. Um, Data says he can lift it, but it might destroy the ship in the process. Uh, So why don't you, my commanding officer, get out of here and I'll take all the risk. And Riker's like, sure. Okay, cool. That makes sense. (laughs) I'm used to it. Yeah. The kid is like, no, wait. Okay, fine. And then is very impressed at the fact that Data saves him. Uh, And they go directly to sickbay. They have to check with Beverly Crusher. I love that. uh, Is it Picard who's being just like the the talker between people? He's like doing the Uhura role in this this, uh, scene where he's just making sure everyone knows 
what's happening and coordinating it. When they lift up the beam, did it go to like fast motion for a hot second? Like the, mm. at least in my feed, it mm. looked just slightly like they were like, speed this kid up because he's too slow. <laughs> but maybe that was just me. Maybe I just saw what I wanted to see. <laughs> I didn't note that. No, maybe it was just your playback machine was uh, catching up. Well, it's set on beta, so. <laughs> <laughs> your laser disc uh, skipped <laughs> in, that, in that moment because of the scratches. But you know, it does make sense with the 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 Victorian ally, Victorium, Victorium, alloy, Victorium, Victorium. That it would be unique to the ship because the ship was solely built for doing these types of missions of going into these clusters. Ah, they make they make mention of it somewhere in the episode where they say it was it was built to do this one thing. And then of course, you're always like, okay, well, I can uh, I can tune our shields to do the same thing. <laughs> Buzz killed Jimmy. His facts and his figures. But that's what ruined it. All right, we'll get all to that. They get to the unshielded corridor that doesn't have the Victorium, uh, and they're able to beam out successfully. And that's where he says to Crusher that uh, the ship was boarded. They had people with, with purple helmets and phaser rifles, and it was under attack, and that's why the ship was destroyed. And they were definitely boarded by another vessel. And Lavorge says that um, they found his mother's body under some wreckage, as well as his father, the second officer, so I want to know the story behind those two uh, and uh, and their relationship on the research vessel. Maybe we'll get that in a prequel or a novel at some point. But Counselor Troy says that Data needs to help out here. It seems that Data's holding on uh, to Data's hand is with this kid's kind of lifeline uh, right now in sickbay. Um, what did you guys think of that initial scene where Data tries to to get away and uh, Timothy's hand, you know, is, is holding his, his android hand tight. It made me wonder how cold Data's hand is. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, is there a synthetic, you know, like, warming? Mm. Like, do they have heaters underneath to, like, give him the right body temperature so it's not a shock when he touches somebody else? He is fully functional. I was just well, going to say, is it a different right. setting? Keep me to it. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. This is what I'm saying. Okay. The three He's of us insane. were all thinking about penises, in case you were wondering, yeah. Kate. <laughs> you have I mean, to be ready. Yeah. Such a cliche I am. <laughs> and it's and, it, and it's a testament that you did not think that, Kate. It's really important that uh, you <laughs> But then, yeah, so uh, we get that there's a bond between those, and Data initially was going to get pulled away, and he decides to stay there uh, at Counselor Troy's insistence. Eventually, though, in engineering, LaForge and Data, La yeah, Data has to let go of the hand slowly as he's finally asleep. They uh, are looking over the data. It took a long time for them to analyze it, and it feels like an EM pulse erased some of the files. Only 83% of it is available in the sensor logs. And the word sensor is talked about a lot in this episode. At least six different characters say the word sensors in this, and we have some pretty funky pronunciations. I'm going to start off here with Jordy, who says it the way it should be said, which is just sensor. Yeah. Say it with me. Sensor. It's very simple. <laughs> All right. Good job, Jimmy. We're going to have a quiz when we get to uh, Wharf later. Continue, Greg. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to check my sensors for... God damn it. That's the wrong way. Any information that might be having. Um, but yeah, it turns out they're, they're going to take some time to go through these logs. Uh, in the meantime... Data is starting to th is thinking about Timothy while they're doing all this and asks LaForge, does he have any, <laughs> have you had any traumatic experiences? 
<laughs> I don't know how many times I've asked my friends of that question. Uh, <laughs> and this is where LaForge tells the story of the fire. And getting his first visor, or he got his first visor shortly after that. Yeah, which I guess I I didn't. I guess I had known that he had been blind since birth, um, but I didn't realize that he had his visor when he was five years old. That's actually pretty pretty significant that he had at least some version of of sight uh, early on in his his life. But he was caught in a fire. It only took a couple of minutes, but he said that was the longest couple of minutes he ever had ever experienced in his life. Yeah, it was a nice little. Uh, it served the purpose of justifying why. Data should spend all the time, right? Because he he says, and all the only thing that was important is I had to be around my parents all the time. It gave me comfort, and it's like, okay, so Data has to be around this kid, or you know, he'll, he'll lose his mind. It'll be irresponsible. So it, it lent itself to this the storyline where we were going, and it totally tracks amongst some kids too, right? Like uh, my one of my daughters uh, doesn't like to be in the basement at night unless I am also in the basement at night. And I'm like, but there's you're you're ten feet away from us upstairs. Like there's no problem. And she's like, no, I just it's I just like being where you are. And I'm like, oh god, it's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little Timothy. Um, but then, yes, you're right. That is the the impetus for Data to want to spend more time with Timothy. And he goes to a mythology class, which I didn't realize was a mythology class until, uh, you know, much later. But he's learning about this myth uh, that the teacher... Also, there's a lot of teachers on this uh, enterprise. I thought maybe there was just one, but no, apparently they've got mm-hmm. a whole school worth of crew. And none of them are particularly good at what they do. Right? <laughs> at exactly. all. A lot of turnover, right? Yeah. Because you have this kid who is very traumatized <laughs> and this teacher has to know that and immediately it's like, well, that sculpture time is over. <laughs> There's no... <laughs> I thought the same it thing. Is, what a dick. Yeah, his look, his look as well, and he had the same acting choices the last teacher where immediately they're like okay this kid's gonna be a problem the kid doesn't get it right away and his face just like oh my this will not do not listening to me and the room itself with troy observing through the glass over there looks exactly like the the kids room at disneyland paris that we were just at where they they just throw all the the just above toddler kids in there and leave them alone like that's what that room looks like yeah i started to wonder too if that troy was like in a like it was a two-way mirror like she was she like observing like it was uh like in ghostbusters 2 and they like raised the temperature of the room that's what i felt like Except you could just see her right through it. You could see right through it. I know, but it didn't matter. I I wanted her to be hidden uh, so that she was just a... a, But that model looks really cool. I actually really like the Dokaran Temple of Kural Hanesh, which I'll be asking all of you later on what that is. Uh, So please take note. Sculpture time is over, though. We are going to the bridge. And uh, this is where they learn that the damage to the vessel uh, was from disruptor-style weapons. Uh, and they know that disruptors uh, at that range, meaning it might have been a cloaked ship, could have been the Romulans, the Klingons, or the Breen, uh, which is the second mention of the Breen uh, in Star Trek canon. I uh, don't know much about the Breen. Um, I think they come more into the canon around Deep Space Nine, if I'm not uh, mistaken, or maybe even Enterprise. Um, it's not part of uh, a part of my huge amount of knowledge. Um, but they are just as bad and terrible as as uh, uh, many of the other antagonist uh, roles in here. But I was definitely like, yay, the Breen. 
when I heard that name. But there's no evidence that the ship was boarded. No, not at all. What the fuck? Right. We got ourselves a mystery. They plant the seed that maybe this this little kid is a sniveling, lying bitch. <laughs> I like that once again. That seed grows into a lovely tree just a few minutes later. I like again that Troy can't sense that he's lying, but then again, he's really traumatized. So like, it's just, it's just, you know, I want her to get a bead on something that just once in one of these episodes. <laughs> I actually like uh, Counselor Troy in this episode. Uh, they were saying how this is a, a, a another example of her actually doing counseling uh, throughout this episode. Um, but it did. I, I noted that too, Kate, because it was similar to a couple, a few episodes ago, where she's like, "Well, I, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of doing the same thing here. But Dana goes to Timothy's quarters and uh, goes to hang out with him, basically just talking about the model. Seeing how, uh, you know, he's very proud of him putting it together, but then it falls down and he says, oh, I can't do anything right. Why were we watching this kid try to put the big flat piece cantilevered on top of these two? Like, can we talk about how bad he is at the modeling and how there's no way he made the first two levels if he's that stupid when it comes to the third one? (laughs) It did not make sense to me. No one helped this kid at all. The props in this episode, in general, are are kind of laughable. Also, why is a kid who just lost his parents and been through the trauma of seeing everybody on the ship die have his own quarters and he's he's alone? I, mean, I know it's an enclosed place where you can't run away or be taken, but really, he should have more. Uh, parental guidance yes. and adult supervision then <laughs> hey you got the run of the place man you got your own quarters right <laughs> no one's sleeping in the big bed because you have no adults but you could sleep in the small bed <laughs> right it does seem like not cool but it's only been a day right it's not been a long time that they've actually been in here so maybe it's just you know he has a space while uh he's recovering or before they bring him back to the star base but that's also why Troy's like data you have to spend time with him he seemed to have a bond with you like i i think it is explained a bit but i agree there should have been more caretakers right outside uh ready for 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 helping yeah. him out i mean with all the shit that happens on enterprise they should legit have an orphanage <laughs> Just yeah. like on, you know, deck three, Enterprise Orphanage. And teachers that actually, like, love kids, maybe. <laughs> a helpful bit. But he gets called away, Data. He can't talk about this stupid model anymore. <laughs> and he has to leave, even though he tries to reassure, like, no, you're okay. Maybe if you do it this way. And, you know, the kid does get a little bit buoyed by Data's presence and his uh, uh, advice on how to build a model. But Data's like, mm, maybe I shouldn't just go because LaVorge needs me. This kid needs me more. So what I'll do is I'll quickly build this model for him. <laughs> Which he does. <laughs> Super fast. And uh, he is fun- fully functional and working in uh, all the parameters that are necessary. And starts tilting his head. And that's when, when after Data leaves, Timothy does that in the mirror. Starts moving his head and mimicking the voice modulation of Brent Spiner as Data. Did anyone else find that a little bit creepy? Yes? Oh, yes. for sure. What, do you think it was supposed to be creepy or do you think it was supposed to be sweet? I can't tell. I think unsettling, mm. right? I think it's, I mean, like, I think we're not necessarily supposed to go like, oh, good, he's got a role model. Like, I think... <laughs> 
when they showed the finished model from like up close and show the kid through it the finished model looks like a piece of shit too like it just slapped it together like it's cantilevered the wrong way it's gonna fall down in like 12 seconds it, i just they were so lazy with the props in this one it's so bad yeah i blame patrick stewart he could have demanded better props <laughs> So they go to the observation lounge and uh, start talking about their new findings. There was uh, unpredictable gravitational regions within the dark cluster. And uh, they said that they should, uh, you know, go go towards those currents. You know, here's something dangerous that blew up a ship. Let's go towards it. <laughs> they still think that, that uh, the kid is holding back some kind of information um, and that he's the only one who can possibly decode what's happening in the sensor lo- sensor logs. And uh, that's where they check in and they go to 10 forward. He's an android. This is where uh, Troy learns that he has adopted this, this persona. She doesn't say, you know, yay or nay on that. Just says like, okay, that sounds great. I will, uh, you know, go along with this fantasy. What did you, what did you think about that choice, Jimmy? I'm looking at you. Uh, I thought she was great. The way she handled the situation is how like both of the teachers in the episode we have talked about should have responded to the kids uh, they are dealing with. Uh, and it was it was a fun scene with how he dealt with it, too. Like he was trying to be committed to being an android, but the little boy was still there and the wants and desires of a little boy were still there. So that was a, a fun dichotomy for the actor to be able to play around with. It was necessarily fast, his progression into I'm committing to being this android to, you know, suffocate my own feelings because, you know, there's 48 minutes. So it had to like really get to the point, which is a bit jarring for me, but I think handled well by the young actor. Yeah, I agree. I think this actor does a does a pretty bang up job uh, with, a, with a difficult assignment. Um, and I will say that dessert actually looked really good. Right, we're slagging off on props, but that prop was was delicious. <laughs> I would have eaten the shit out of it if I was an android or not. And this is when they go to the ready room and talk to Picard about this new development that uh, Timothy's pretending to be an android, and Picard gets all that and he says, "Okay, you should pretend and make sure he's the best android that any of us can be." <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, yeah. Let's let's indulge this. And next time, don't bring this shit to me. okay i don't care what the kid wants to be yeah it's very it's very like george steinbrenner in seinfeld like he gets the full and complete explanation at the end of it goes okay go make him the best android ever (laughs) want to be the biggest fucking android you've ever seen (laughs) just i'm not sure that's what counselor troy had said like i'm not certain that's where she was going once he made his decision like yeah fuck it let's do that It'll unlock all of the the secrets inside his head. But then this is a really wonderful scene uh, where Data gets to be very fatherly, maybe even more so than when uh, he had created Lol and we had all those themes going on. He's 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 combing Timothy's hair, and this is where the hair gel just did not work for me. I kept thinking about <laughs> these brushes that he had on his hand. Is like, is this how Data does his hair? Like, why does he have these brushes? And then the kid's hair is like, you know, down in front of his, his thing. And you can just tell the brushes were laden with gel. And then once he put it through his head, it like ended up slicking it backwards. Did you guys note that there was like gel coming down the kid's face? It was all over. <laughs> Data's hands were shiny from gel. And they just had to ignore all that 
while they were delivering this, you know, uh, somewhat treacly dialogue with each other. It made me wonder, does J- does Data use gel or does his body produce it? Like, what do you guys think? <laughs> this is twice now you've made me think of those Play-Doh things that you move the arm and the hair comes out, <laughs> but with just gel. <laughs> Why don't they make brushes with gel in them now? Like that's we have an iPad that was directly inspired by uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Why don't we have gel brushes? <laughs> uh, and why does he have to have slick back hair to be the best android possible? Everyone knows. Everyone knows, Jimmy. Androids <laughs> have starts. slick back hair. <laughs> we start with the hair. There's a tortoise on its back. It has slick back hair. What do you do? <laughs> so then he talks about uh, the nightmare uh, that he uh, Timothy is having, and he very honestly asked, you know, do androids have nightmares data do you have any nightmares and then they have this conversation all of course knowing that i I like that they both are aware that this is a pretense in this scene and that it's okay to indulge in that pretense yeah what did you think about that there's so much subtext in what's going on here i just think they missed an opportunity for data to reply that he dreams of electric (laughs) (laughs) man back to back blade runner references there Damn. No, I think this is a really sweet scene, as you said. Like, you know, I, uh, uh, hair gel aside, there is a certain uh, play between them. And and you can see Data in some ways running the calculations of like, is this the, like what the right thing to do is and, and what he's assessing. And, and it's an interesting in the moment, like dance that the two of them sort of do. Um to be able to talk about something important, but talk about it in a way that's feels safe. Right, right. It's a little bit like role playing, uh, right. in 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 that way. Yeah. There's some funny lines in here though too, uh, especially with the movement of his head as he's trying to get his hair combed, and he's like, "That's counterproductive. Can you not do that?" And then Timothy, rightly so, just like, "That's what you do when people try to comb your hair, Data." They would say the same thing. And then he does the servo mechanisms that Jimmy and I are always talking about. Hmm? He's even made sure that his subroutines are forgotten, so he's not doing it on purpose. And these subroutines have subroutines. It's Brilliant. the best. It is. <laughs> it is. They go to get a checkup on with Dr. Crusher. She seems like uh, uh, he's on the up and up, so he's not physically injured in any way. But then they have a nice uh, session painting together. I, I actually really appreciated that, too, that they were doing. It wasn't an annoying sculpture that they were making, but they were trying to, you know, create. <laughs> well, I loved it, too, but I was really surprised that Timothy's painting didn't, there was no mention of it or like, oh, what is this about? Or it didn't inform later of like, oh, you know, what, it, it wasn't uh, aliens or the breed or something like, it didn't come back and, and it could have because there was something artistically disturbing, like it blow, uh, like things blowing up in a void. Yeah. So I thought for sure this was going to be, it was given as a clue and, and play in and, you know, we never hear about it again it would be great just to see it on data's wall and you know like seventh season like it's still yeah. there oh. um like it just it, it didn't uh, have the gravity that it could have same I, I saw data painting this nice serene valley and the little kid is painting like cthulhu <laughs> <laughs> there's no worry yeah. anywhere nobody's talking about it yeah you're right jimmy i for sure thought i was gonna come up yeah you're right and uh, it did not but oh well sort of Chekhov's painting there yeah <laughs> Noting the color that it used, it was a bit of a red herring. Oh, <laughs> the scene that Data is painting is actually land a landscape scene by Dan Curry, who was a good old Uncle Dan. Uh, yeah, no, he's a special effects and visual effects supervisor on the show. 
and he just thought it would be neat if data was painting one of his own paintings uh in in the thing and and, and did it so he Cute. uh made it slightly unfinished uh so that he could he could paint in some of the some of the lines during the scene itself so he falls asleep uh while they're painting before he said that he does not need to sleep because he's an android but then of course he does fall asleep and there is that sweet there is just something about an adult carrying a small child and putting them uh down to to rest uh that opens up all of the floodgates in all of our hearts right even yours, Jimmy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they were closed. Those fun gates stayed closed. <laughs> Jimmy's an android. You're the android. I knew it. You don't sleep. So they go to the cluster and they are experiencing some uh, some some shakes, some shudders, but it's fine. It wouldn't be a problem. And there might be a ship over there. Oh, wait, no. Maybe there's a ship over there. Maybe there's a ship over there. Maybe it's just reflections. Hard to say, really. So here's my sensor update. We got a sensor from Worf. He says there's a problem with the sensor, which always just makes me think of a villainous sensor. Like it's, it's like when some, <laughs> like 10 years ago, they started saying Realtor instead of Realtor. And I'm just like, why are you saddling them with that shit? But then, like right after that, Picard gives us a normal sensor. He says, the sensors are having trouble or something like that. And then two seconds after that, Picard says, sensor, make it make sense, Jimmy. Well, uh, he was directing himself. <laughs> <laughs> so I could say it however I want. He got confused. Maybe he didn't want to make uh, Michael Dorn feel bad. <laughs> I like all of these. I accept them all. They're all canon. All of the multiverse. Data and Troy observe Timothy, and he uh, he has a bit of a laugh at school. He seems like he's uh, improving from his androidness. I like how Data is like, my work is done. Did it. <laughs> yep. Scene over. Next episode. <laughs> and this is where Troy says something very, you know, he, which in previous episodes she did not, where she's like, no, it's not done yet. There's not like a finish line here. You know, this is a work in progress. Uh, you still, uh, you know, need to continue doing some parenting here. And they go to 10 forward and drink a soda pop together with a bent straw. Did you guys know that the straw was like a L shaped? I'm like, that's not even a crazy straw. That's just a stupid straw. <laughs> stupid straw i did the same thing um i was like this is a weird straw but then when they it was long enough that it bent into like it came up to your mouth so there's like oh i guess that makes kind of sense sensors and all it, again inventions that star trek should have inspired it should have been the bent stupid straw instead of the, the ipad that eric's using so this is where, uh, after Troy encouraged Data to say, like, maybe you should talk about how the fact in all the previous seasons you've been trying to become human, make sure he knows that. And they do get that across in such a way as being like, yeah, while I know the information of the composition of this dessert, of this soda, and I know that it might be pleasing to humanoids, I can't actually taste it or have a preference or like it in any way. And I think this is the first time that Timothy sees some of the uh, downsides of being an android uh, from Data's perspective. Um, and I like this, the way this scene is written, because it doesn't become ham-handed, right? It could have very easily been of like, I have tried to be, like like my stupid joke about it, like, oh, I have tried to become a human and I cannot, and you should like being human. He just does it through through a, a, a very um, 
a human normal sense memory type of thing of like, no, I can't experience this the way you can. And I love how, and it, it's kind of ongoing throughout the series where someone yearns to be data. Like you say, he doesn't get hand handed, but he does. I love how, like you're saying, he's willing and even eager to list his own limitations. Like it, it's a form of weird modesty that, that really kind of, rings true to anybody who's had like anxiety i think <laughs> like the the reflexive kind of no i'm shit that comes out of data in those moments is very human ironically dun 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 see that's where this where the writing gets so meta that you're like so good i i also took a little bit different thing from this where it's like you can uh, i'd also been recently uh, uh listening to a podcast about screenwriters who had had found success and they were like, but that doesn't mean that you're happy, right? Like you can have, be successful in what you do and, 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 and find that. But most of the people that we know and work with in this business are not happy people. <laughs> and you may not want that, right? Like, you, or you shouldn't think that by accomplishing the thing that you have been dreamed, uh, dreaming of that you, therefore happiness will come. Uh, and so it's a, it's a lesson that, you know, even though it's a very different one from what's kind of presented here, I, that's what I took out from it. We don't, we don't really want to be data, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they start to do some more scans with the sensors, and they uh, go right into firing phasers at it. Not sure why, but, you know, you got to test <laughs> test it, right? Kate, you're, you're well, shaking your head. At high. Right, yeah, no, it was that moment just that I was just like, <laughs> that's an aggressive move to start with. You'd think, like, <laughs> sensors are bouncing back and not useful, so maybe we shouldn't fire willy-nilly into the darkness like yeah i thought they were uh i might be misremembering i thought at that moment they still had a very strong feeling it was the breen or a cloaked enemy yes and so that was their reasoning for uh firing off the the phaser so oh i a see response to rattle the cage a little oh, bit right. okay Buzz guess that makes jimmy. a little bit of sense jimmy god damn it all right buzzkill jimmy i have a response to that and that is your buzzkill. <laughs> the response to that <laughs> is that what I found funny about it in, in agreement with Kate is that not only does he do that, but he does it right after he says, Data, I'd really value your advice here. And Data goes, yes, sir. So he goes, so think about it for a second. In the meantime, we're going to... <laughs> so it's not just that, that it seemed so sudden... It's that he just completely turns on himself in two seconds as well. <laughs> he was yeah. directing himself. He was directing, he was yes. directing himself. <laughs> that's correct. That makes it okay. Um, but yes, that's where they do determine that it could not have been a disruptor-style weapon. It, cloaking devices, like they were thinking that were going to be used, could not function in this cloud at all. So everything that they've been working on from what uh, Timothy has said seems to be false. And this is where the uh, expertness that Troy, Data, and Picard have been previously exhibiting when discussing with Timothy. I think it all goes to shit here when they bring him in and put a hot light in his face and we're like, we know you're lying. <laughs> that was a little too intense, I thought. They're grilling him. Well, it was kind of exactly what you said earlier about how they're like, get that lying little fucker <laughs> in there. I want to talk to him now. An interesting choice of, uh, that uh, uh, Patrick made, having everyone kneel down right by him. 
so they're as close and suffocating as possible. And then just the camera shots, uh, the close-ups, to each one of them, like, really yeah. fast, one by one. It's like, okay, I did it, I did it! Right, they don't let him talk. They're 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 interjecting with each other, trying to like hit him. And I'm like, oh god, I feel tra- trauma just right. from you know, like, am I in the like in- assistant principal's office again? Like, what's happening? <laughs> well, well, and this is the part that I talk about that that is quoted so much with the we were attacked, we were attacked. <laughs> like the poor kid is not really able to rise to that moment and it becomes one of the most amazing things i've ever seen but then data also i think kind of betrays a bit of trust or or what the uh, the relationship they have built up and uses the android thing against him here which i I think was a a really traumatic choice because he's basically saying that hey we have had this fantasy i'm going to use this fantasy and say androids do not lie and it, it works it works it gets the kid to say i did it which is also not true and also traumatic to, to uh, I don't know. I, I, I did not love this scene. It's a great way to go to commercial, though. It is. <laughs> That's yeah. a very good point. Mm-hmm. Especially because I think uh, we all had that thought early on. Only kid left alive like this. This kid you did it, right? Shit up. So like there is yep. definitely that moment where it feels justified in the like yeah nail that little bastard <laughs> it was uh it's spoiler alert here if you haven't watched uh disco um hit pause or fast forward i should say on the podcast because this as soon as it happened it made me think of of the reason why things happen in um i think it's a third season of disco mm. where where they first go to the future and there is zero space travel <laughs> or at least by there's no warp <laughs> capabilities anymore in the future yeah because uh, of bill Irwin. and the whole like it's a kid and i was like oh my gosh is this one of those again because i'm gonna bite my pillow if it is <laughs> <laughs> yes and then uh, you're right kate because it was such a good break to the to the uh, commercial and they immediately pull that punch uh, uh, uh when they get back and they're saying like oh no wait you just hit a uh a computer console? Oh, you're just, you're not. My arm's in a typewriter. Yeah. He's like, you're not evil. You're just dumb that you thought that you pressing that button killed the ship. Come on, buddy. That's not how computers work. They literally try to be like, no, there's no possible way you could have done that. And he's like, oh, I guess, I guess you're right. You keep wasting our time. <laughs> but they do reassure him. They're like, no, it wasn't you. Uh, but what did cause it? And so that's what the rest of this uh, episode is all about. Trying to figure this out. The wave, the waves and the little shakes that they've been getting start getting worse. They start getting more shaky. There could be some badness happening there. They need to get out of here. Engage. Warp 2. Uh-oh. Engines don't work. We're caught. Increase the shields, increase the shields. And then they keep trying to increase the shields. And Data, they leave Timothy on the bridge. And even Troy tries to be like, hey, can we get you out of here? Like, maybe you're not supposed to be here. And Data's like, wait, no, one second. And they go up to the, the science console. They start doing some sciencey stuff. And Data keeps asking him things like, tell me everything you remember. And all of a sudden, the, the floodgates, not of emotion, but of memory open. Uh, so that's okay, right, Jimmy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he starts remembering all of these lines that they were saying. Apparently, he was on the bridge or near uh, or the engineering <laughs> core, uh, right, when th- this all occurred. So he was hearing all of the commands that were happening. And that's where Data gets the idea. 
that it is the shields that are doing this. The shields have been reflecting the energy, putting more and more energy into the shields. They were trying to get LaForge to get the warp core to give all of the energy. And if they had done that, it would have ripped the, the ship apart. But Data says, drop the shields. And again, this is almost similar to the uh, season premiere of this season where he doesn't. Data doesn't explain why. He just says, drop the shields. Trust me, drop the shields. And Picard has to, has to trust him. And they do. And that's when they realize uh, it had been a feedback loop machine that they had been in in this dark cluster that the more energy given to the shields was giving this waving. I think that's what they call it, too, on the star charts. That's what they call it? Feedback loop machine. <laughs> well, I think that in a different, more just world, we would have gotten another episode where someone comes along and the Enterprise has been destroyed and all there is is uh, Timothy uh, waiting to get rescued again. And we just we we just over and over this black cluster has seated this kid on every derelict <laughs> spaceship waiting for the next one to come along. And that's Eric's episode. <laughs> I like it. You and write your theme that. music is <laughs> da -da. Ba -dum -dum. Ba -dum -dum. That's it. <laughs> As long as the kid's doing the servo motions, I'm, I'm down with it. But they averted the disaster. It was thanks to Timothy's memory. After all, they needed him uh, to be there and present on the bridge. That was how uh, Data was able to figure it out. And then uh, they go to the schoolroom and uh, they said that he's still, you know, Troy basically says like, yep, he's still hurting. He's still not doing good, but he is, he's a boy once again. Yes, Kate. They never met a public domain children's song that they didn't want to co-opt. This is Frere Jaca all over again. We come in yes. and there they are singing <laughs> Row, Row, Row Your Boat. in, And I'm like, we have not progressed past Row, Row, Row Your Boat in all of these many centuries. And we come still on. do it in round. That's exciting. Also, those kids are too old to be singing that particular song, right? Like This is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a preschool thing. What was chorus class? <laughs> Unless they were like, oh, yeah, here's the altos. Here's the sopranos. Yeah, like, they were learning how to layer. Yeah, the lyrics. I kind of dig that Timothy's just not singing, right? Yeah. He's just like, ah, fuck this. <laughs> I don't care, but he's, you know, he's getting better. I like that essentially when Data goes to talk to him, he's like, yeah, I was crazy, man. Like he just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. I bet you thought I was silly. <laughs> That was the 60s. <laughs> Everybody did funky shit back then, man. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, then he says it's, uh, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And yeah, that was a nice little turn of phrase by Data, trying to, trying to be human by using human idioms correctly. Look at that. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and they still want to hang out. They still want to do things together. Um, and, except uh, we won't. Except we won't, because we'll never see this kid again. <laughs> He'd be happy to count Timothy among his friends. He has many human friends. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Timothy does a little little callback. A little callback joke. He's like, that would be acceptable. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Right, Dana? <laughs> and they laugh and they laugh and everyone is happy. Don't stop taking the pills, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here. 
All right, so that is this episode, Hero Worship. I am going to throw it to y'all for your final thoughts and ratings. Uh, I'm going to give it to you, Eric, first, Mr. iPad. Well, I give this one uh, seven big-time Timmy Jims. I really, (laughs) really enjoyed the scene where they debate the relative merits of the desserts, and I could have watched it go on forever. That's about it. Like, I didn't love this episode, but I, I love having this much data uh, for my enjoyment uh, enough to give it a seven. Love it. Jimmy G, what do you think? I'm right there with Eric. Uh, a similar rating, but I'm going to use a different measurement. I'm going to give it 75 out of 100. Uh, and 75 because that's what um, Riker says. Let's bring the shields up to 75, which uh, I question why wasn't it at 100? <laughs> seems safer but i don't know star field or force field so you know my ignorance uh it was a fun episode uh you don't need to watch it to really catch up on um on the lore even though it's you know it should be an important data episode that helps you understand data it's doesn't really it, it's it's fun for him as an actor you get to see some stuff but it doesn't move data's character forward but still i thought uh nice performance by the young actor um and always you know on his worst days brent spiner is just really good uh <laughs> instead of fantastic and he was fantastic in this he not just really good so uh 75 out of 100 Ooh, raise those shields sense. up though guys come on my shields go up to 110 uh they <laughs> put that line in so that it can be stronger kate what about you uh i'm gonna give this seven versions of row 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 your boat <laughs> <laughs> that are all just cacophonous and happening at the same time this episode is not earth shattering but it's lovely right there's and a lot of that has to do with a really lovely young actor who was allowed to do good work and I think was supported on set. Uh, You know, sometimes we hear about the way some of those directors in the first few seasons dealt with the younger actors on the set and we Mm -hmm. got performances out of them that were maybe not the best. Whereas here I feel like, you know, between casting and, and directing and the scenes between uh, him and Data, we just get a really nice representation you know there there were very few times that i was like oh please stop talking young child Hmm. (laughs) which there have been episodes earlier this season that i have definitely felt that (laughs) way (laughs) so i think it's just uh just on the basis of lovely performances uh that i give it a seven excellent i am going to give it eight episodes out of a 22 episode season that are awesome uh because (laughs) I think, you know, when you have a a season like this, you have to write a lot of material and sometimes it's not good. And we've seen in the earlier seasons, but sometimes you end up with gems like this that aren't, as you say, completely earth shattering or universe or galaxy shattering, but they're interesting and, and, and detailed and, and character studies. And I like that this season in particular, season five has had a lot of those that felt a little bit like, what's it like? to be on a starship that doesn't feel 
uh, ham-handed or, or, or like some of the earlier episodes where that were like, oh, we're, we're families and what do we do when all the kids are abducted, right? Like this is just more about like what happens when, you know, it's almost more sitcom-y. Like the, we've established these characters, the fans love them, the audience loves them. Let's add some new kids into the mix. Like like you do in every se- uh, series, like when uh, uh, that happened in Family Ties and, and other sitcoms out there. So I love it for that reason. It's something that we don't see in modern Treks enough and I wish we did uh, have, have more of it. And it is great for all the performances that we've seen. This child does a fantastic job. And I think Patrick Stewart, uh, as his second turn here at directing, we've, you know, chided him a few times on his prop choices. But other than that, I think this is a solid directed episode. Feels very acting forward, uh, even if it's not necessarily, you know, the greatest acting ever by humans or androids. Uh, it is still a very um, much an episode that, that, that showcases the performers, which I really appreciated. So Great. All around. Good stuff. I have been uh, talking and I think I'm going to go get myself a... Oh, no! The straw fell over and now I have wet stuff all over my pants. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. It's a bed straw. Uh, the bed straw callback <laughs> that'll forever go down in history. <laughs> Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fifth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Blue Sky and the site formerly known as Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge officers. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Curry is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is visible at GregTito.com and at GregTito on Twitter and Blue Sky. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Insta. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito, Kate Yeager, or Jimmy G. Logo artwork is by MojoJojo underscore 97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we reengage. <laughs>